Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. We are a few weeks into the new year, so you are probably sick and tired of being bombarded with New Year, New You messaging from the land of diet culture and commodified wellness. Beauties, you are already more than enough. Do not let anyone tell or try to sell you something that says otherwise. But still, the blank slate, fresh start of a new year does often stir up an urge to reboot our habits, recommit to healthier choices, and invest in practices that keep the trains on the tracks. We can still be age positive, but not want to fall apart. So I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, fitness and women's health expert, Amanda Thebe. Following Amanda on Instagram will make you want to up your fitness ante, or at the very least, learn to swing a kettlebell or hold a plank for even a fraction of her time. I've had the pleasure of being on Amanda's podcast, with all due respect, reading her frank, informative, hilarious book, Menopocalypse, and hanging out with her IRL in New York at Naomi Watts' New Pause Menopause Symposium. She is a breath of fresh air in the fitness and menopause space, outspoken, honest, totally delightful, totally inspiring. If you want to feel fitter, stronger, faster, saner, stick around. This show is for you. Welcome, Amanda. My God, you make me sound amazing. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda, you are amazing. I loved um, following you on Instagram. We got to connect in person, and I I had the, the pleasure of having you on an Instagram Live to talk about menopocalypse. Um, you, you know, you, you're somebody that is, is just incredible in real life as you are on your social media. I'm thrilled to be sitting down with you today. Um, this is a total treat for me. And, you know, the, the yeah, fit- and me and me, Katie. And I just want to sort of add on to that, that we definitely share the same sort of viewpoint and alignment. And I, I really want like women to know that there's so many of us out there that desperately want women to make the most of this time of their lives without being dragged down. Right. With all of the the messaging that we're seeing, especially at this time of year. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's it's hard to avoid it. You know, I live in America. I think that you're in Canada now and and the Western world, you know, probably the whole globe really can make women feel, um, you know, the messaging does a number on us. And we get to midlife and we start to reject some of those sort of patriarchal beauty standards. Uh, we reject the, all the anti-aging messaging that we're getting. But the reality is our bodies are changing. Uh, what it takes to be fit and strong and feel healthy at midlife is different from when we were in our 20s and 30s. And we do want to, or at least I do, you know, I want to, sometimes I joke that my fitness goals are being able to put my luggage in the overhead compartment on an airplane. You know, we we want practical fitness that's going to make us healthy for the long run. And that's something that I think that you do so well. You offer practical, doable advice. You call out a lot of the BS that surrounds women's health and fitness and wellness. What's the single most effective no BS fitness habit that we can adopt in 2023 that you think really makes a material difference in our overall health and wellness during menopause and beyond? You might have actually already answered that question for me. So your example was being able to lift, you know, your suitcase in the overhead baggage. And, you know, I was on a flight recently. I think I got COVID from the flight, but we won't go there. (laughs) But anyway, I was on a flight recently and there was a young girl I would suspect in her 20s, had to ask somebody to help her put her bag up. And I just was looking at her thinking, I always want to be the person that can do my own things. I always want to be the person that's independent. 
And it's really interesting that, you know, you compared where we are now in our lives to where we were in the past in our 20s and 30s. And there's definitely a dynamic shift and it changes from where we um, maybe were more aesthetically um, driven to where we're now more practically driven into how can I do something that's going to transfer over into my real life and make my real life easier make my real life more enjoyable, make my real life last a bit longer, right? And um, and so there's so many things from a lifestyle perspective that women can, you know, use. Like there's a big toolbox out there. That's how I talk about it in my book, just to make it pra- practical. But to me, the top of the list is strength training. And it's one of those, or resistance training, it's an interchangeable term. And it's one of those things that I think that a lot, a lot of women feel that might be too out there or maybe exotic or maybe too difficult or, or only, you know, for like muscle bound athletes. And I think there's, it's my job and what I'm trying to do is to show women that strength training can be accessible to every woman at every level at every age and the benefits are so vast that I don't know a single person that started to take control of their health by adding strength training that's regretted it you know that they always feel so much better and so yeah that's my sort of like in a hierarchy strength training would be up there as one of the best things and so what are some of the the benefits of you know strength training you said that it really improves overall fitness sort of beyond muscles I talk about that all the time I'm like how can we talk about strength training outside of how it makes you look right because I mean that's part of it though and when we've looked at studies and motivations of why women exercise they do it because they want to look a certain way we can't move away from the aesthetic uh, motivations and neither should we but I I'm what I'm trying to do is shift it to other like real good outcomes that really make a difference so for example one of the things that we know is that as we age from the age of 30 sort of 35 onwards we start to really struggle to hold on to our muscle mass any muscle we might have whether you can see it or not your body's got muscle on it and if we don't do our best to preserve the muscle we have or even try and build on the muscle we have it will start to decline it's the main reason that things like that happen are from being sedentary and getting older but it's also accelerated through menopause and it's called sarcopenia and it's it's a real issue And it doesn't show up until we're in our 60s or 70s when we start falling and we can't get back up or we fall and we, you know, break bones and we don't have like the the muscular skeletal strength to, you know, to support our body. So strength training as far as like um, helping our like longevity goals is a no brainer. It also helps with building and maintaining our bone strength. So these are two big things for women. Um, but the, the list goes on and on and on. But to me, there's some of the some of the main reasons to start. And I think that knowing that this um, sort of decline potentially happens in our 30s, I'm all over it saying to women, can we pragmatically look at our health and say, you know, we're going to get older, even if it doesn't feel tangible. And we need to do everything we can do to, you know, r- reduce the risk of things that are eventually going to harm us. And that includes 
disease and all-cause mortality. Strength training changes our body at a cellular level that's been shown to mitigate and, and reduce the risk of all major diseases. It's so incredible. I had a wonderful... It nu- is, yeah. I had a wonderful nutritionist come on the show, um, Heidi Skolnick. She, she's also an exercise physiologist specialist, and she talked about exercise as being an investment uh, in your future self 10 years down the road. You know, so what you're doing today is going to impact you. I'm 53. So, you know, when I do strength training today, I'm investing in, you know, 63-year-old Katie's ability to carry her groceries. And sometimes we don't take the long view. You know, we, 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 we we're really focused on today. You know, and um, I, I added strength training about six months ago. I work one-on-one with a trainer once a week. And, you know, I see you doing things on Instagram, like, you know, working with kettlebells and and doing weight training at home. Where do you land on gyms versus at-home exercise, trainers versus DIY, or does it not matter? I have huge thoughts on that. I just wanted to say, though, do you regret starting strength training? No. In fact, you know, I, I feel like I should be doing it more. But it's, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not cheap. But, you know, I'm somebody who it's like, okay, fine, I've invested, I've made, I booked the time, like, I'm actually doing it. If I had to do it myself, I've got to admit, you know, I'm a little bit, I, 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 might, uh, I might rather, you know, read a book. Yeah, you may, you may not have the motivation or the, you know, the ability to have that consistency. And so when it comes to accessibility about fitness, I mean, I try and look at this big picture because not everybody is in a place where they can afford to have a trainer. If that's something that's accessible to you, I definitely recommend it, even if it's just for a month or two, so that you understand, you know, what the expectation is, how to do it safely, get somebody to look at your form and, and just truly let you realize that it's not a crazy thing that you need to be doing. And a lot of the basic things that are available to us as far as exercises work, right? The basics always work in every situation in my viewpoint. But, you know, COVID was a really good eye-opener for women to see that you don't have to go to the gym to work out. And so how I like to look at it is this, is like just look at your life and just see what is available to you. If you literally can't afford a gym membership, then there are ways to make working out at home completely doable. If you can invest in a trainer and you want to, I definitely would recommend that too. But you're not going to get a lesser um, quality workout by working at home. Um, And even if you don't have all of the equipment, because there's ways to make it work. Now, the thing is with strength training, and this is a positive, is that when you start and if you're the ultimate beginner, it might feel that you're, you know, you're really weak and, and you're not making a whole ton of progress. But all of a sudden you get strong really quickly and it's amazing. And you'll find that the five pound dumbbells you bought really don't serve much purpose. And you maybe need to buy 15 pound dumbbells, you know, like our progress can be quite quick in the beginning of doing strength training. And so that's one of the limitations of working at home. But there's ways to move around that too. You know, there's there's weights out there that are changeable. You know, like you buy one set of weights that have got different abilities to have different weight levels on them. And so one of the reasons that I think working at home can be a really valid way to do this is because starting somewhere is better than not starting at all and if you can buddy up with someone like one of your mates comes around or you you know you both log into this youtube video together and you do it together or you know like you commit to doing it 
having your workout clothes laid down by the side of your bed and you pop them on and you do a, a little workout. All of these things, even if they don't feel like they're making a huge difference, like you said, we're, we're investing in our health for 10, 15 years down the road. Um, it, like just keep going because even these small like 10 minute, 15 minute fitness snacks that you're doing all compound on one another and really do make a difference. They do make and a so, difference, Amanda. I, I yeah. completely agree with you. And I love that you that you shared that strength training at the beginning, you can really start to see some results quickly because that was my experience. We are heading into a quick break, but when we come back, I want to ask you about some of the equipment that we might want to have in our homes if we're choosing to work out there. We'll be back after this quick break. Have you ever successfully set someone up on a date? In my 53 years, I've only ever made one successful match for a friend, which is why I'm so eager to introduce you to the nonprofit Let's Talk Menopause, because I know this is a relationship that's going to work. Let's Talk Menopause is changing the conversation around menopause so women get the information they need and the healthcare they deserve. Understanding menopause is a lot like solving a tough jigsaw puzzle, as there are so many pieces. Menopause can have over 34 symptoms, insomnia, joint pain, low libido, difficulty sleeping, irritability, mood swings, fatigue, brain fog, painful sex, urinary leaks. It is a long list. Visit their website, letstalkmenopause.org, to find all the tools you need the 101s to understanding the physical and mental menopausal changes, information about their public ad campaigns and advocacy work, a downloadable symptoms checklist to share with your doctor, and so much more. Visit letstalkmenopause.org. Together, we can change the change. Amanda, we're back. I love two ideas that you shared as we headed into the break. One, to find an accountability partner, a buddy to work out with, maybe a friend. My accountability partner for strength training is my trainer, as, as I shared. Um, but I, I do like think the idea of working out at home as a starting point is, is so smart for somebody. You know, let, let's not put obstacles in our way. And if we're at home with some of the right equipment, we can, you know, we could get going next week. So you mentioned dumbbells um, of, of different weights, uh, different sizes. What would you recommend for somebody who's new to sort of add on beyond dumbbells? Are there other uh, at home equi equipment uh, tools that you use consistently? Yeah, I mean, I've obviously built up quite the arsenal over time, you know, because, um, and, but that's, that's what tends to happen. So I do think, though, that like when you do start strength training, your body itself can be a great place to start because if you're not actually capable of holding a plank for very long or working on the biomechanics of what your squat position looks like, or working on a, a push-up, all of these body weight things can actually be really super helpful. And I still do body weight exercises within my workouts that I use with weights. So know that your body to start with can be a great tool and there's ways to make it work harder as well without equipment. But then when you start investing, you know, I know that buying weights can be expensive, um, Christmas is around was just around the corner and so maybe you've got some presents there but you know like I think that you can go onto secondhand um, websites and stuff there's people are always selling there's no shortage like, of people getting rid of exercise equipment by February you could you could probably yeah. buy anything you want on the market you know we have Facebook marketplace in my town where a lot of people you know I see pelotons on it I see you know weights I see other other 
things that people, you know, maybe outgrow or move away from. That's exactly what I was going to say. You, 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 the Peloton, they're everywhere now, right? So, but when it comes to actual resistance training, the, the idea is that you're trying to create a stimulus where the muscles in our body uh, are overloaded and you only really can create overload by progressively adding more weight to it in a move with movement um and but it doesn't have to be like sort of like anything crazy and so i definitely recommend to start out that women buy um two sets of dumbbells or you can buy like i say the ones that are racked already they're like a com combination and maybe something in the like five to 10 pound range for one set of dumbbells and then another set between 15 and 25 because you'll find that like when you've got five pound dumbbells that's not enough of a, a stimulus and it doesn't feel hard enough when you're doing your squats for example your upper body tends to be a lot weaker than your lower body and so it's just handy to have those around and then maybe you might progress to buying a moderate weight dumb um kettlebell something like 20 pound kettlebell because the kettlebells are so much fun to work with and again like you can do so much with them and so yeah you don't need to have a whole ton of stuff in there and I think that an investment of two sets of dumbbells could last you maybe six months without even having to consider buying others you know because there's so many variable ways of, of doing this and and then what the good thing about this and and I really am happy you asked me about the at-home workouts is because when we look at how people are successful with strength training the thing is the showing up and the commitment and the consistency and the main driver of motivation is curiosity now I don't jump out of bed in the morning and go, woohoo, today I'm going to go and do a massive strength training. I just don't, I'm not that person, but I show up most, the more, most days because it's a rhythm I'm into. I understand the benefits, but. So what's a rhythm? You, so you say consistency, consistency is key with, with like everything. That's how we, that's how we drive results. What does a consistent weight training regimen look like? And, and what, what do you, how do you do that in your own life? Yeah. Like how, how does showing up look? And. So for me, I try to do three full body strength training workouts a week and the workouts are no longer than 40 minutes, but included in that is some mobility work and some um, cool down stretching. So about half an hour of, you know, decent um, strength training. Sometimes it might be four times, it depends, but the fourth time tends to be maybe a 10 or 15 minute, just quick um, like kettlebell workout, just something just to, you know, stoke the fire. I move every day and that's really important to me. And I think most women underestimate the power of just actual activity and moving, you know, walking, running up and down the stairs a lot in the house, like the daily movement to go alongside the strength training to me is key. For most people starting, two or three times a week is more than enough. The national recommendations in the UK are 150 minutes of exercise a week, moderate that can be anything, but with two resistance training sessions a week. So if what, you can commit to that. Yeah, that feels, I mean, that totally feels doable. And I love this notion too of that uh, your simple daily activity can sort of count towards movement. I mean, we're up and down the stairs. Maybe you're going to the laundry room. Maybe you're walking with a friend as a way of socializing, you know, getting outside. You know, that, that's so key. What are the mobility uh, exercises that, that you know, because you, you share that that's something that you prioritize now as well what does that look like so exercise science is an evolving um you know an evolving science and 
when I started getting my personal training certification, it was nearly 30 years ago. And it, we were always taught, you know, you've got to prep your body for exercise. And to do that, you need to do some stretching and then you need to do your workout and then stretch afterwards. But we know that static stretching before exercise is really not the best way to prep our body. And in fact, the mobility work is really to sort of oil those joints. And you're not going to oil your joints by being still in a stretch. And your muscles tend to be like, um, pretty inflexible when you start working out, right? You want to get some blood flow there. You need to get movement there. And so, for example, if I was going to do a lifting session, now bear in mind, I've been doing this a long time and I go to the gym and I like to work with barbells and stuff. If I'm going to do a big squat session with a heavy barbell, I'm going to do body weight squats to start with. I'm going to move up and down in a squat. I might hang out in the bottom of the squat and wiggle around a little bit. It doesn't have to be exotic. Like I've said, things can be very practical. Using the exercise movement that you're about to perform in, in your workout is probably the best way to do it. So if you've got a strength training session coming up and you know potentially what's going to be within that session, say you're going to be doing some overhead lifting. You need to do some sh some shoulder mobility just to get your shoulders ready. Just shoulder circles, lifting up and stretching out through the you know the shoulder joint, but with movement. And so it just gets you a little bit warm and ready for the exercise. And to me, it's the most practical way of doing it. And you know, we're like glow sticks. I don't know about you, Katie. In the morning, it's like click, 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 click. Everything cracks. <laughs> exactly. Everything. Everything cracks, but nothing glows. That's how I feel like oh I am in the morning. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Your midlife body is a glow stick. I know exactly what you're talking about. You need to kind of crack them open to get them glowy and gorgeous. I love this notion of oiling your joints. You know, Amanda, I want to actually just switch gears for a minute and ask you about something because I've been following you for so long and I've been, um, you know, we've become friends and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about seeing what you're up to on social media. I know that you have... Um, taken something on in midlife that that you didn't have, you know, sort of alluded you you were younger, and and you learned to swim in midlife. And I I would I love this notion of like taking on a beginner's mind with exercise. And I would love if you could share a little bit with our listeners about what that looked like for you and why you decided to to tackle this. It's actually one of my proudest lifetime achievements. Like I am so proud of myself, and I. And I don't mind boasting about it because it was something that eluded me. I'm obviously an athletic person. I also married someone that's an elite swimmer. Like, and I don't just mean he's good. Like he's an elite, um, like national level swimmer. His sister holds records for Scotland. We have a Scottish connection, Katie and I. So we have, you know, I come from a swimming, like sort of like um, connection. And my husband's tried to teach me to swim for 20 years. I've took swimming lessons and that, I mean, I'm not going to, drown but like I just could do like one length or one lap and then I'd be knackered and like I can't do this and then during COVID I I got COVID when it was like when it was first popular you know like <laughs> when I, was... actually got, I actually got you, you're, you're an OG COVID you know you, you had it at the I beginning am, <laughs> I am the OG COVID long hauler and the thing is I don't know why but I got COVID and it took months and months to to get well like four months and it was a horrible time I was I was super depressed during it because I couldn't get off the sofa. I couldn't walk up the stairs. I just was knackered and it just wasn't me. It was like ripping me of my personality. And while at the time I was living in Texas and the weather was beautiful and we were part of this um, fitness club that had an outdoor pool and I would go and I'd have every day the pool to myself. It was amazing. And so I would just do 
like breaststroke up and down. And it just felt so nice because I'd been so sick. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to fucking learn to swim. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swim. But <laughs> you can say gonna... whatever you want, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, trying to hold me back. And so anyway, so I thought I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I just started watching like YouTube videos. Now, Tim Ferriss did a book, The 4-Hour Body, which I actually don't like the book. To me, it's full of like naff pseudoscience. But there's, there was a swimming chapter in it. And he taught himself to swim a mile because he set himself this goal. And I thought, you know what? I should be able to do this. What's my limiting factor? And so he used a valid swimming method method, and it's called total immersion. So I just, and I'm really cheap, right? So I didn't want to buy the program. So I just looked at all of these YouTube videos and I watched them <laughs> for about a day. And I come away, I came away with four for things that I needed to work on. And so over a period of 10 weeks, every time I went to the pool, which is about three times a week, I just worked on these four components. One was floating, one was learning to relax, one was the breathing. It was just different elements of the swimming. And I practiced them over and over again. And then one day I would do one length and then a week or two later, I'd do two back to back. And I just started slowly progressing. But I went into it with a mindset that one, I know that, as we get older, it's so important to keep our brain stimulated that we need to learn new things because it's part of our growth. The growth mindset can only happen if we challenge ourselves. And then the second sort of part of it was like, I just needed to sort of crack it because it frustrated me that I couldn't do it. And it was just like this secret project I wanted to do, but it's a life skill as well, right? So anyway, long story short, um, I went swimming with my husband and it helped with my COVID recovery, recovery with all of this swimming and the breathing together. It made me feel better. And I went swimming with my husband about a month later and he was like, what are you going to do today? And I went, I don't know, I'll just flop up and down, you know, and next to you. And he was like, going to swim 5K or whatever. And I was next to him and I swam a, a mile next to him. And he, and he stopped me and he went, what, ha what, what happened? When did you learn to do this? And it was just like the coolest thing because I'd never shared it with him. And then and then now I'm back in Canada. I'm It's only like two years ago I did this. I'm open water swimming in Lake Ontario in a wetsuit. And I'm just trying to challenge these, like overcoming things because I realized just how much of an achievement it felt like. And, and I just encourage all people as they get older to just find something new that you think is achievable like go for a little bit of a win and and just keep doing stuff like that because it really does reap so many rewards when you can do stuff like that. Amanda, I love this story so much. First of all, I love that you share that you're proud of yourself and you should be because, uh -huh. you know, you, it's hard to confront fears. Sometimes it's hard to put ourselves in vulnerable positions. And, you know, you're so good in so many areas of fitness, but this was, you know, you had to work on it. And I also love that you shared practice over and over and over again to get to where you are. And that's like the magic recipe for life. You know, the people who succeed, the people who who write the book, you know, the people who are, you know, um, building companies, it's because they just do it over and over and over again. You have to just show up consistently to, to affect change. So I thank you for sharing this story. I also... I wanted you to share it because I feel like anyone who's listening here, sometimes you look at other people and you think that's easy for you. You know, it's easy for you to be fit or for you to try this or to write a book. And the reality is it's it's not easy. It, you know, we all have to that, do things. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, Katie. It wasn't easy. And I had 
plenty of days where I went and it was a, it was crap. I hated it. I felt disappointed in myself, and that's normal. And I had to keep reminding myself that it's never linear. It's definitely a roller coaster type progress, and showing up even when it's crappy is still part of the still part of the process as well. I so so love this. Um, all right, I want to switch gears because we want to talk about menopause. Uh, I, you know, which is such a big topic. We're not going to get to to cover all of it, but I. You know, we we connected when you came on my Instagram live to talk about menopocalypse. And I would love if you could just sort of give an overview about why you wrote that book and your experience with menopause and, and, and how you took on menopause, uh, you know, education and advocacy as something that's so personal and important to you professionally. Yeah, like how did I come to a place where I've made a job for myself because essentially I'm, I am in a place now that I never expected to be, Katie, and maybe you are too because so interesting. I mean, I've been in like exercise and nutrition for now three decades and like have so many qualifications, like to the point where if you were pregnant, I could help you through your pregnancy and postpartum. I can help elderly people. I worked with professional athletes. I worked with NBA teams. I've got like a vast amount of knowledge about human physiology. And then 42 years old, I get hit with a bloody bus at me. And it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't work out what was going on. And and the menopause bus, men the menopause bus, the, 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 the menopause, the menopause bus literally felt like it ran me over. And I, but it was awful because, like many women, my story is one of many. And this is the thing that drove me is that I spent two years in a very good healthcare system here in Canada, where people desperately wanted to help me with the symptoms I was experiencing, but couldn't work out what was going on. They were like, yeah, you clearly don't look very well and feel very well. We acknowledged that. So there was no gaslighting. Um, but yeah, we don't know what it is. And, and then I went to, you know, like to see my gynecologist, I'd probably missed a couple of years of, you know, having an annual checkup. And he was like, yeah, sure, this is perimenopause. And I'm like, the what? The what, what, what? I mean, this is like 10 years ago now. And at least this word is out there now, Katie. But and I, so then I just was furious. And I was I actually went to meet my husband afterwards. And I was like picking things as I was walking down the street. Going, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like I've had two years of feeling terrible. Nobody could help me. And somebody knew all along. And this is going to happen to every woman and yet what we don't talk about it this is crap and so I sort of like that was a stimulus for me to go down the menopause rabbit hole and it was a bit slippery down there but I sort of came out the other side with a, a voice that tried to represent women and what they were going through and I wrote the book and I built a community and and now it's it's just evolved and I'm just seeing where it's taking me but I do lots of like presentation, advocacy work, education in companies, because they're now wanting to create this culture of support in their workplace and the medical community. And so I'm so happy that there's all of these women in this space that are talking about it. But most of the women who were doing the talking came from a place like me, where it was just like a, a dire situation that didn't need to happen. It's I know it, it's it, what I've learned from starting this podcast about my own body astonishes me. And I, I you know, I was going to a gynecologist every year and, and no one, you know, no one put this on my radar. And, you know, Amanda, I know you you published Menopocalypse in 2020. Here it's 2023. You you said at one point menopause was shrouded in secrecy. Um, you you know shared that you were walking down that street like kicking things because you were like couldn't believe that people knew this existed, but no one had bothered to help educate you. Do you have you seen a change in the conversation 
um, in the three years since you've written the book or what has changed and what still needs to change? Yeah, it's great. We have menopause conferences now. Obviously, that's how we've met in real life, right? But I think that the work that's being done is making a difference. But hey, it's coming from the ground up. It's not coming from the top down, as it, as is most change, you know, like there's resistance at the top for, you know, changing our curriculums in school. So at least there's a, like a paragraph about it within our, you know, biology classes. There needs to be a change from the medical community where it's compulsory training for all GPs and all OBGYNs instead of it being something like 8% of them who, who take that training, right? There needs to be workplace representation. There's so much needs to change from the top down, but from the bottom up, it's making a huge difference. And, you know, like it's now a commonplace word. We're talking about menopause with our peers, with our children, with our partners. And and I so I see that the change is happening, but I also see that it's a, a a place for opportunity, Katie. And you know that that's something that riles me because like, I think that what we need to do is be authentically in this together and show women that, you know, things are going to happen. Things are going to change. The change is unavoidable, and but, but we can work with our body instead of fighting against it. There's treatment options out there that you can utilize and that you're still capable, that there's still things to look forward to, et cetera, et cetera. But instead, where that's us, you and I, Katie, in this middle ground being the most reasonable, responsible advocates for women. But then on the on the periphery, we've got, hey, but take this supplement and do this diet and buy this cream. And, and it's just like, and so the women are going for those options because they're saying, well, I feel really crap right now. So I'm going to try and do this magic pill rather than listen to reason because they're in a place of vulnerability and they're being exploited. And that's what riles me about this industry because now it's worth multi billions of dollars right? of course yeah there's a lot there are a lot a lot of products that are you know business you know products businesses and services that have have um sprung up around uh, around this and, and you know I agree with you that 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 uh, to me my number one piece of advice for women in perimenopause or um, struggling with the symptoms of menopause because there are real true physical changes that happen to your body there are emotional changes that happen as you you're on this hormonal roller coaster my number one piece of advice is to find yourself a medical support team right find work with a doctor who gets it and work with a doctor who's got menopause training um, work with somebody who's not going to ignore your symptoms you can go on to you know, advocacy groups like Let's Talk Menopause.org, which is has a lot of great educational tools. You can go on to NAMS, the North American Medical Society. Like you could find specialists who've been trained in menopause. What what would be your number one piece of advice for women um in peri and, and menopause to 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 do to help manage symptoms? Yeah. So you know what? That my number one advice is is the boring answer. And it's it's literally knowledge and education. And I think that you can't start from a place of ad advocacy for yourself you can't create that autonomy um for for informed um choice about what you want to do with your body unless you know what you're talking about and so what happens is you know you'll speak to Sharon down the street and she'll say oh yeah menopause I did keto and all my symptoms went or oh I'll do that then instead I'm like no hey let's get every woman educated like for me it would be so great if you went to your doctor at 35 and they said hey by the way in your early th early 40s maybe late 30s you, you may go through perimenopause here's some 
basic information. So I just want all women to have that information, which is why I wrote my book. But the North American Menopause Society has information. There's Let's Talk Menopause, like you said, is so great. There's Donna who does that. There's a ton of people out there giving really solid advice. I would say be educated and then consider menopause to be what it is, which is a life phase that all women will go through. Now, I, I, I am not dismissing the women that go through menopause in a, a more abrupt, forced manner, like post-cancer, surgery, or early menopause, because typically those women have a much worse experience and need to be under medical advisory for that, you know, for pre sure. preventative. It's a, it's a different stuff, story. But for, there's a difference, yeah, and I think that needs to be looked at differently. But for women that go through this in a natural life phase, like I think there's a couple of things we need to do is with the education is then look at your body as this 360 full person and not just I need hormones. Because, yeah, you might need hormones, but that's just one part of the conversation. You need to be looking at your sleep quality and your sleep. You need to be moving a lot, even if that's just going out for a walk every day. Your body actively wants it. Um, and you need to be sort of like nourish nourishing your body and fueling your body and not starving it within an inch of your life. You're not 20. You don't need to be like eating a salad for every meal and and you know and over exercise and your body's gonna hate you when you do that. And so I think that with the education, then go through this change without resistance and start respecting your body and respecting the fact that it will change and you can really work well with that and it's a much better outcome for you. Yeah, that's such great advice. There's so many wonderful solutions. We're going to be uh, heading into our speed round in a few minutes since our time is over. But I, I love everything that you shared about how it's, you know, you're... It, Women in midlife are not just menopause. Women in perimenopause, you know, it, it's, it's 360. You have to look at all the different um, components that kind of weave together to, you know, produce health and wellness. Let's talk menopause.org that both Amanda and I just talked about has a symptoms checklist on its website that you can download and you can kind of track what's going on with you. Um, and then bring it to your, your, your GP or bring it to your, you know, your doctor when you go in and say, you know, I'm experiencing these symptoms um, and, and, and get the uh, help that you need to navigate those. Because there is help out there that you can work with, um, with doctors, you know, around all uh, treating all these different symptoms. And I, I think that's my number one piece of advice is to find yourself a doctor who, who gets it. Uh, Amanda, I could talk to you all day long. You're going to have to, you know, come back and do this again because this has been so informative and so fun. I'm so happy we're starting 2023 spending time with you. We are moving into our speed round, which is a high energy uh, way to end the show. And I know that you're going to be so awesome at this because when we were at that Naomi Watts event, I want everyone to picture this in their mind. Amanda was on stage leading a room of like two or 300 women through... Um, uh, what, what were we even doing? I can't even remember. It was like you came out exercising. Well, I, gra I, I grapevined onto the stage. Yes, you grapevined. To... Thank you. That was the I... word. I'm like, there's some 1980s step aerobics term that's escaping my mind right now, but it was grapevining. Literally, I, I like I, in my mind's eye, I was wearing those like rolled up big thick socks and like white sneakers, but it was it was so fun. So let's let's do this thing. Let's head into our speed round to close. Um, so this is just one to two word answers. Um, so let's do it. Okay. Your go-to exercise that you can't do without? Push-ups. Push-ups. Okay, nice. Uh, a new exercise or home gym piece of equipment you've added to your own mix recently? 
Sandbag. Sandbag. That sounds scary. Okay, all women need to add this simple fitness choice to their repertoire stat. It's strength training. Fitness. Ah, I love it. Okay. Uh, Fitness takes fuel. What nutrition choice helps power muscle building for you? Yeah, protein. And so um, just try and eat more protein. Okay, perfect. You call out what you call uh, wellness wankery, right? We love this word. What's one thing you've seen lately that is total BS? Um, Detoxing your estrogen. Okay, that's like... <laughs> don't, even, don't even go there. <laughs> Trusted menopause thought leader we should all have on our radar. Jen Gunter. Yes, she's fabulous. And I need to figure out how to get her on the show. Uh, you've had an incredible 2022. What's one thing you want to do, try, or take on in 2023? I had an Achilles injury this year, so I want to get back to running. Simple. Nice. Okay. I hope that works. Uh, finally, your one-word answer to complete this sentence. As I age, I feel. Resilient. Ooh, I love it. All right. Resiliency in 2023. Let's all take that on. Thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, Before we say goodbye, how can our listeners find you, learn more about your fitness work, your book, your podcast, all of the good stuff? Well, the gateway to all things Amanda is just from my website. So it's amandatheeb.com. So go there. I actually have a full resources page for menopause as well. So that's sometimes handy. Fabulous. I'm going to put those all in the show notes. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Thank you for tuning in, spending time, and being a friend of the show. If you learned something new, nodded along, took mental notes, or feel smarter, energized, or more inspired after tuning in, I would so appreciate a review or rating over on Apple Podcasts. Reviews truly matter. They help other women find the show and help the show grow. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time, and until then, age boldly, beauties.